so often in the sports world, you'll hear coaches, you'll hear athletes, you'll hear people talking about the mental side of it, right? We've talked about it on the show before, the mental aspect. You'll hear guys say, oh, it's 90% mental. Uh, you got to have a bulletproof mindset, those types of phrases. But how do you actually train the mind to be able to do that? And at what age should we start doing this? Why don't we take a more proactive instead of a reactive approach to building your mindset? Well, today we are bringing on a mental performance coach from RJ Performance Group here in Boise, and we're going to be picking her brain on her expertise and her knowledge. She's a former D1 soccer player who has some experience uh, in this field, and she's going to share with us her, her knowledge, and uh, you guys are going to really, really enjoy this one. So I'm going to encourage everybody who's listening, as always, to take notes, get ready for this one, and you're probably going to be wanting to talk to her after this interview is done. So don't miss this episode of the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game Time this is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson, host of the show for the last five and a half years since its infancy. Um, super grateful for everybody who has joined along this journey, whether you're an athlete, a parent, a coach, or simply just a fan that wants to listen to the show and, and hear things uh, as we deliver what I call a panoramic view on sports. I appreciate all the support for the last you know, five and a half years. As you guys know, we've hit 109 countries. We're now in 109 countries, all 50 states, and we're continuing to grow. And it's thanks in large part to everybody who has supported, whether you're following me on social media, whether you've shared an episode, listened to an episode, or most importantly, I'd say is leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts. If you guys have done so, that's awesome. That's how it helps the podcast grow. If you haven't, I'm going to encourage you guys to do that right now. Leave, an, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, let's help this show continue to get out to more and more people. Thanks to everyone for supporting us. Now, today, the as you guys heard in the introduction, we're going to be talking about a topic that I love. Uh, we've had a couple of episodes in a, in a similar discussion, and uh, you'll, you're, you're going to find out here there's different um, areas within the same exact topic, I guess. Like, there's different areas, different specialties within this particular topic. And today, we're bringing on a specialist. I'm going to introduce her and hopefully not butcher her name. Her name is Liz Robakevich. And she's a mental performance coach at RJ Performance Group. So, Liz, I want to say thank you for joining the show. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Absolutely. So, Liz, okay, RJ Performance Group, real quick, tell us what what this is about. Let's get a let's get an overview of what RJ Performance Group is all about and where you guys are located, and then we'll kind of dive into your specialty and and I guess your your background and everything. Yeah, so RJ Performance Group is a group of mental performance coaches. Um, we all have our master's degree in sports psychology. So really trained in, you know, given that neck up training to athletes and performers. Um, and so there is a handful of us. We're based in Salt Lake City. And I recently moved up to Boise, Idaho um, to kind of expand the practice up to this area. So my question for you um, <clears throat> From what I heard before we started interviewing, you're not from the West. You're from, like, I guess we call it the South. Uh, mm -hmm. We call it we call it the Dirty South, right? We call it <laughs> ATL. Let's go. Okay, mm -hmm. so you're from the South, Salt Lake City, 
Boise. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the cities by by chance? I just want to know what your thoughts are being out here. Yeah, I mean, very, very different. Um, Boise has our heart, obviously. That's why my husband and I moved here after really a three-day visit. We fell in love with it and started making moves to make that cross-country move. Um, Salt Lake City was awesome. Definitely a bigger city feel than Boise, but great experience. Being from Atlanta, I'm definitely used to the city feel, but I actually did college um, and my master's degree in some smaller towns. So it's good to be back in kind of a city feel. No, that's dope. Okay. I always wonder what it's like for people coming into the Boise area that aren't from here. I've been in Idaho my whole entire life. I've been in Boise, the Treasure Valley my whole life. So that's what I, I don't know. I always like, you know, when I went to Atlanta and went there for a couple sports games, loved it over there. You know, yeah. DC loved it over there. Like I like, I like visiting bigger cities and I wonder what people think of these small town feels like, like Boise, but maybe it's not so small anymore, but it, it's still smaller than what you're probably mm-hmm. used to. But that's cool. So you moved up to Boise. You're, you're running the, I guess the, the clinic. I don't know what would you call it. The, the, you're running the office here, I guess. You're, you're, yeah. doing, you're doing your thing here. Mental performance coaches. Now we're going to get to know more about you in that side. So you've got your master's degree in sports psychology. Talk to us about why you even wanted to get into this. Do you have a background in sports and like what got you into this specific niche in the sports world? Yeah, definitely. So I played soccer my whole life, um, dabbled in some other sports growing up, but soccer was always the main one. And I guess I would say, you know, I was a big fish in a small pond in high school. I was captain of my team and killing it and crushing it. And I ended up being able to go play division one soccer in North Carolina. Um, that was a reality check. I went from a big fish in a small pond to quite the small fish in a big pond. Um, And, you know, that really introduced to me this idea of mental toughness. I went in with these huge expectations of things I was going to do, how great I was going to play, all the accolades I was going to earn. And I really went in and rode the bench for most of my career. And so um, had to kind of figure out, you know, why am I doing this? How am I still going to get enjoyment out of this and feel like I am succeeding in my own way without getting, you know, these minutes, getting these tangible results. Um, So I didn't know that there was a name for what I was doing. I was just kind of guiding myself and then ended up taking an elective my junior year in sports psychology and was like, this is a field. Like there is a name to all of this stuff. There's research behind it. Um, I can make a career out of this. And so from there, I kind of never looked back, reached out to any and every sports psychology practitioner I could find who was willing to have a conversation with me Um, and then ended up going on to get my master's in sports psychology. And then that's what led me out to Salt Lake City for an internship with RJ Performance Group. Um, Loved the group, loved what they do there. And then kind of led me to where I am now of, you know, being a part of this group, but really kind of trailblazing the Boise area for this field. That's super cool. Um, Now now you kind of like stemmed a couple questions for me here. You know, former college athlete. I mean, that's and at a high level for that matter. So in Idaho specifically, I'm not like all the, the show, like I said, we're in 109 countries as of this time of this recording, all 50 states, we've had downloads in all 50 states, but a lot of my listeners are here out of the Treasure Valley. That's the majority because mm-hmm. that's where I'm born and raised. And I coach basketball for the high school level. So I got a lot of young athletes that are here. A lot of us here in Idaho are the big fish in a small pond. So th- mm-hmm. they can probably relate to what you're, you're saying right there. So when you go over to the D1 level, uh, and you realize like, oh, everybody's 
pretty freaking good. And there's probably mm-hmm. some politics that are behind that too, but there's like, and the talent level is just high. I would love to just pick your brain there. Um, what was the biggest transition for you? Like from an athletic side uh, and a mental side, I guess, cause you said, you know, you had to experience some mental toughness. You're riding the bench. What was the, what was the biggest transition going from where you were at big fish, small pond to, you know, now you're like, Oh, I'm kind of getting lost in the mix here. Yeah. You know, I think it gave some perspective of like what a privilege it is to play and what a privilege it is to have that level on your current team and know that, you know, at the drop of a dime that can shift, that can shift even within college sports. Even if you are a big time player, all of a sudden, if there's injuries, if there's coaching transitions, all of that can kind of shift. And so I think the biggest transition for me was I didn't really have this necessarily like firm foundation that I was standing on of, okay, when things shift, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be fine. And so I had to figure that out in college. Um, And obviously it led me to where I am now. So I don't regret any of it, but that's something I love working with high school athletes on because you want to be on a firm foundation as soon as possible so that as things maybe shift for better or worse, you're good. Like you're like, I've got this. I am solid in my stance. Um, And so that's really what I work on a lot with my athletes is just let's build up self-awareness so that you know where you are at, you know the foundation that you are on, even if everything else out of your control shifts. That's awesome. Okay. That's, I, I hope people, I, I encourage everyone in every single episode of this show to take notes. So most of the time when people are listening to a podcast, doing so mobile, I usually have, it's not always, but if you're listening to this on your phone, pull out your notepad on your phone, start taking notes. If you hear some golden nuggets from what Liz is saying, because um, you're probably going to want to utilize some of the services that she's providing. So, to that point, um, with your expertise and your, your knowledge so far going through school, uh, first off as an athlete, but then also going into your career field after you realize like, this is kind of what I want to do. And now having done an internship and doing the, and then opening this up. And like you said, being the trailblazer for the, the Boise area. Um, what would you say from the high school perspective is the biggest, uh, problem, I guess that the kids run into when it comes to the athletic mental side of things, what do you think is the biggest issue? Is it dealing with loss? Is it, is it like a coaching shift? Is it riding the bench and not understanding like what, who they are? Like what, what is the biggest problem you've run into so far? Yeah, I think you hinted at a number of them and really it's across the board. I would say some of the biggest ones I've seen is your relationship with failure. That is a huge thing that I see in high school athletes. Um, a lot of times, you know, you can just see it even in body language before you even get to the conversation part, you know, you make a mistake, it's immediately shoulders down, head down affecting the rest of your game. And so that's something I saw a lot with high school athletes is just this fear of failure. Um, So I love talking about that. I think our relationship with failure is one of the most important relationships we can have. Um, So I definitely think that's a big one. And then, you know, I also think, especially kind of in this generation, I think the ability to be vulnerable about, you know, what are some of your strengths and some of your flaws Um, there are oftentimes, you know, conversations I would have where I'm trying to get athletes to talk about what are you good at? Like, what do you feel confident about? And usually that's the stuff people love to talk about. And a lot of times, you know, they're kind of, you know, sheltered in, they're not sharing even the things they're proud of. And so, um, I think that's a big thing, which again, I love just having these conversations with athletes just to build up that self-awareness. Like, tell me what your strengths are. Tell me what your weaknesses are. And from that, we're gonna be able to do so much. We have to talk about it first. Where do you think that that's, that's a really interesting point you brought up? I, I'm trying to think from a coaching perspective now, just because I coach the 17 year olds at the club level and, and 
you're kind of right. Like a lot of them, you know, you'll get some of them that they're like, man, you can't guard me. I'm, I'm the fastest. Mm-hmm. I got the fastest first step and da da da. And the, you know, they'll say what they're good at from time to time, but not all of them are that way. A lot of the times they're like, man, I really got to work on my pull-up jumper or I got to really work on my defense. And they're always telling you what they're not good at. Where do you think that stems from? Is it, is it from coaching? Is it from parenting or is it like, where does this stem from where the athletes don't actually have this confidence to even tell you what they're good at? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the golden question. I'm not, I think you could go so many ways with it. I think, you know, we could talk about social media. We could talk about coaches. We could talk about all these things. Um, But I think you hit it right on the head of just this idea of confidence. I think a lot of times with younger athletes, it's just immediately mistaken for cockiness. And um, I think there's a beautiful balance between the two. I think you can be super confident, know your strengths, be aware of them, be able to, again, put your foundation on those without being the cocky person that everyone hates. That's such a good point. I I am going to make a call to action right now for every kid I have coached. Please listen to that again. That's all I got to say. I'm going to rewind this and I'm going to make sure they all listen to it. I'm going to send them that sound clip, by the way. That's that's perfect. Um, Okay. So Liz, you're working with, uh, in, in Boise, to my understanding, you're working specifically with the high school side of things, but RJ performance group in Salt Lake, they, they have a couple of the professional fields and collegiate fields that they can work with. Like, um, from what I saw, I, I'm going to put the link here in the description for the Instagram page, but I'll also have you guys shout out anything else, but yeah. like you can see the, the organizations that I guess RJ performance group has worked with like real Salt Lake, um, which you guys had a, a college, you had a couple colleges yeah. with you. I'm, Weber you, state you, is yeah, one Weber. of them. Yeah. Yeah. So RJ Performance does work with, you know, high school, youth, professional, um, collegiate. And then I think what's cool about this field is it goes just beyond sports. So we'll also work with businesses. Um, We even one of the clients that one of the consultants works with is like medical school incoming students um, because they need to know, you know, their strengths and weaknesses just as much as the division one basketball player does. Um, So yeah, RJ Performance has got all going on in terms of across the board. And you know, to be fully transparent at the time of this recording, I have been here for two weeks in Boise, Idaho. And so um, really just getting going, getting my roots set. Um, high school is definitely a place where my heart's at, but totally open to all levels of performance here. Oh, okay. So we got to shout out first and foremost, like we got to get you in contact with off the field. If you haven't already talked to off the field, like Taylor Bateman over there off the field, they train all of them. D1 adversity athletes. Go talk to Keyshawn Liggins, his girlfriend, Corey Penser. She went to Weber played basketball there, just got home from there. She just graduated this year. So like, we got a lot of connections. We got to get you in touch yeah. with it if you haven't already. So they, they all train the high school athletes and the professional athletes around here. Plus we got businesses all across the place. So right. we're going to do our best. I'm going to do my best to connect you with anybody, but any, anyone who's listened to this, who happens to be in the Valley, who could, you know, take these services that Liz and RJ performance group are providing. Uh, please take note of that right now on this, on this podcast and make sure to get the word out there for everyone. And I'll, I'll, I'll allow you to like, share where we're going to be able to find you and wh- how they can yeah. contact you and everything too. I want to make sure we do that. I just want to break down some more stuff so people know what you're all about and, and the things that we're, we're teaching these kids and stuff. So one of the things I learned when I was younger, Liz, this is one of the topics I want to talk about is like loss for, for one, like I brought it up earlier, like dealing with loss. And I think a lot of kids, it's interesting because when I was younger, we played what we called optimist football, which every state's different, but it's like peewee football or gridiron kids or grid kids, just younger football up until middle school's over. And then you go into high school. So it's like little league football. And I remember my team I specifically played on, we lost one game in four years. 
Okay. We were dominant. We dominated everybody and everybody knew who we were. And they were like, Oh, that's that. It's Meridian white. They're so good. Da, 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 da. Like, and then the one game we lost was in four overtimes. It was a devastating loss. And I remember the feeling as a kid, have you, I was in seventh grade losing for the first time ever. And the only time ever that we lost. And it was in the, the game to get into the championship. We were just devastated. Absolutely blown. And I remember thinking, and it's, it's taught me a lot. I know this is weird. Cause that was years and years ago. But I remember that feeling of like, man, we didn't know how to lose. And I didn't know how to handle loss then. And a lot of those kids didn't know how to handle loss. And some of us used it as fuel to get better the next year. And some of us kind of, you saw some of the athletes start to break down as the years go by. And then they, they lost the passion for the game. They're so used to winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had mentioned like your relationship with failure being an important piece to the puzzle. What have you noticed with like loss though? Like when people lose, when they're not expect, or it's the opposite side. Now when I'm coaching, we've got a losing culture at a lot of these schools. They're not used to winning. So it's almost yeah. the exact opposite. Cause now they're just so used to losing that that's just what they, they actually are surprised when they have a winning season. They're like, Oh yeah, if we win 10 games, it's great. I'm like, you, but you didn't, you didn't even have a 500 season. You right. <laughs> you lost more than you won. So like, what are you talking about? Like, no, dude, as long as we get double digit wins. And so now we're finding it to be the exact opposite in some cases. Mm-hmm. I just want to pick your brain on that topic right there. Loss, like losing. Like, what do you see with these young kids in regards to loss? Because in life, you're going to lose a lot, but you have to be able yeah. to cope with that. So what are some of the things, I guess, that you're, you're, you and your expertise that can, how do you guys help there? Without giving away the bank, without people paying, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. What are some of the things that you can help these kids with in regards to the concept of losing? Yeah. So I think, again, it's a complicated topic because from the time we're however young, we learn that failure is bad. Um, And I think that's something that's hard not to teach because in some instances, it really is. You do not want to fail. We never want to say, yes, let's fail. But I think the way we talk about, especially within sport, because we know sport has such an impact on the rest of our lives. And so, you know, one thing we say at RJ Performance Group is embrace the suck. Like if it hurts, if it sucks to lose, embrace it, like recognize what that feels like and do not forget about that. Um, And so I think, you know, it's kind of a double whammy of embrace the suck, recognize what it feels like, but also that growth mindset, we got to look forward. Let's look at what happened in this loss, break it down. What went well? What can we learn? What can I do better? Break it down so you have tangible things to play into that growth mindset looking forward. So I think it's a both and of, you know, don't forget about it. Don't just go, well, we lost by 50 points, whatever. Like we're just going to move on. Like, yeah, that sucks. That sucks to have a losing season. Sit with that for a little bit. But then remember, we're looking forward. So what can we do from this moment to this point in that middle part? What are things that we can work on that are in our control to kind of play into that? Um, yeah, I think I think loss and failure, it's a part of the process. If it's not happening, I think we're missing out on all that sport has to offer us. I'm so glad you said that. I, I'm just, yeah, as, as you're talking, I'm, I'm even thinking as a coach, like I try to instill that in the kids because there are like next play mentality, move on and stuff, but sometimes, and that's true, but you do need to embrace it because if you just move on, then you don't know what it truly is like to like, you don't remember those feelings. And I remember as a boxer, when I, I my last fight, I lost like terribly bad. And I remember that I was just beat up at the end of the fight. I didn't get knocked out, but I was getting beat up. And I remember just like the feeling of devastation, like raise the other guy's hand and my face is all busted up. And so the doctors are put, you know, moving my face around afterwards. Everyone's trying to talk to me. And I'm just like, this sucks. I just need to get, I want to just go to practice. But I, I, I'm glad that like for a week I had to sit with that because we didn't have practice for a week after that, that match. And 
I just had to sit with it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, this is terrible. My face hurts. My body's sore. I don't want to feel that again. So here's what we got to do. And I remember that feeling of going back into practice with all that. And I'm glad I didn't have practice the next day. A lot of guys are like, I'm just going to get in the gym. I'm going to go. And that's fine to get your head clear, but you need to embrace the suck. I think that's so, so important. And I hope the kids understand that. Like, it's okay. Like losing is okay. Embrace it Mm -hmm. because that's where you learn all that stuff. You have to, you have to find a way to learn from your losses and not everybody. Everyone says, yeah, you either win or you learn. Okay, well, you only learn if you allow yourself to learn. You know what I mean? Right. You have to find a that's actually a skill set that's acquired for for certain, yeah. especially competitive people. Yeah. Here's another here's another topic, confidence. Okay. Confidence is a, a big piece that I've seen with a lot of athletes, including myself when I grew up. Maybe you're we call them practice all Americans, right? Liz, you probably know them all from soccer and stuff from your, mm-hmm. from your experience. They dominate in practice, whether they're basketball, football, soccer, baseball, whatever it may be. They dominate in practice. They've got all the confidence in the world. But when it comes to actually performing in a game, for some reason, just something shuts off. There's something different. It's a chemical reaction within the body or something. Mentally, they're just not there. Uh, from a confidence standpoint, is there anything that you guys can you know, help these young athletes with or even the professional athletes that also deal with that in regards to confidence? Is there any tips or tricks? Yeah. So we actually take kind of an unconventional viewpoint on this. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about having self-awareness of strengths and being able to talk about those, those being like a, an asset of confidence, but in terms of the actual game field, the court, like when it is game time, we kind of believe confidence is a little bit overrated. And we think if you wait on feeling confident to have a good performance, it's adding a whole nother challenge for you. And so we work with our athletes to really focus on what are the tangible, practical things that you can do that aren't, you know, dependent on confidence. It's literally skill sets. It's things that you do day in and day out. Let's bring our attention there rather than, I hope I feel confident today because it's almost, it's too much of a gamble. You know, there are times that incredible athletes have incredible performances and they weren't feeling incredibly confident. They just did what they needed to do. And so I think confidence sometimes is a little bit overrated and it really, it gets athletes who don't necessarily feel it 24 seven, a little scared because they're like, I'm yeah. not feeling confident. How am I going to have the best performance I can? And so we say, you know, let's take our attention from that and bring it to things that, you know, you actually can act on the skills of your sport that, you know, you can do. I actually love that. That's it, it almost causes them to overanalyze things like, oh, I'm not feeling it today. Well, you're not always going to feel it when you go to work either. You know, it's a Monday morning. Yeah. Bucks sometimes. So yeah. you still got to perform. You know what I mean? So I guess my question there would be, um, where does, does that start at practice where you're just getting muscle memory and you're getting used to just like going through so that when it comes time to perform, whether you feel great or not, it, the motions are there. Like, is that where it comes down to is it at practice and getting legitimate repetitions that actually mean something? Yeah. And you know, we want to get our athletes to a point of it's almost mindless action. Like they aren't having to think about it. It's just the natural movements they've been doing for 10 plus years in their sport. And so I think as much as you can bring these kinds of skills and, you know, ways of thinking into practice, the better, because it's just going to transfer over to games much easier. I love that. I love that. Okay. So now we've talked about like the high school athletes. There's, there's a difference between a young mind, which is still developing. Right. And, and you're trying to, to get those guys to, get themselves in the right mental mindset when they go to perform. And then you go to the collegiate slash professional level. A lot of the young kids don't think that these professionals or the guys that they, the guys and girls they look up to have to deal with this, but 
Um, that's not true. Um, I've spoken with athletes on this show that still battle with their, the, 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 the mental aspect of athletics. Uh, Steve Young, for example, Hall of Fame quarterback, played for the 49ers. He has a whole book written about it. He battled with anxiety and performance anxiety for that matter. Like he struggled every single game. He threw up before all the games. He was terribly, like, it was paralyzing fear of failure and so forth. So the, even the professional athletes deal with a lot of the mental side of things. Um, what do you notice is the biggest, I guess, concern with high school compared to maybe the higher levels that the, that these athletes are dealing with, like from the mental side of things? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the higher level we add in things like, you know, they're getting paid for their sport. This is their livelihood. And so I think that adds in um, a new pressure, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned it like professional athletes experience a lot of the same things that high school athletes experience that youth athletes experience. And so, you know, I think stuff like even this podcast, being able to come on here and talk about it's across the board. Like you are not one in a million who has performance anxiety. Um, and so I think the more that we can kind of normalize it and normalize people like me who, you know, we work on training your mind as hard as you work to train your body, the more we can normalize that, the better it's going to be. The more, um, you know, young athletes aren't going to freak out if they're freaking out before a game. Like, yeah, that's normal. Professional athletes experience that. Um, so I think this kind of stuff is just going to help it even more. Awesome. I love that. Now, from a parent's perspective, um, what I've noticed, Liz, is in, in coaching a lot of these kids, I know that sometimes the par parental influence can have a, a big impact on their, their mental space, I should say. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that, and this is a statement to all parents out there, it's not trying to like shoot anybody down, but like parents tend to be very protective of their children. And they, and that means sometimes they're very realistic or what they, uh, they what they perceive as realistic. So let's say a kid has all the aspirations to play basketball. I'm going to use my space real quick. So I, I, I coach basketball. So they want to play basketball. They want to get to the next level, but maybe they're just not at that talent level yet. And they're going into their senior year of high school and we're working on some stuff to try to get them there. But that's all that that kid particularly cares about. That's their passion and dream. Well, at home, mom and dad might be saying, okay, it's time to look at something else. Like it's time to start focusing on your future. You know, you're not going to make it to the next level. And that kid hears that from their parents and then it has an effect on them because they go in, they have a great time, but as soon as they start making mistakes, what their parents have said to them start and they go, well, maybe, maybe I'm not suited for the next level. Maybe that is true. And then, and it, it affects them as they go forward here. And then they have teammates that are playing at the, that high level and are trying to make that same goal. So they, they fight this whole entire thing. Um, my question for you is this based on your experience, reality like being realistic with your kids who are athletes compared to like you know encouragement and and trying to drive them forward because a lot of us weren't ready for the next level when we were younger like that there's a lot that goes into that it doesn't mean you won't be in a year or two mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you can't have an opportunity later on you might just have to, to put in you might peak a little bit later than some people do you know what i mean um so sometimes we're like yeah you're not there yet but like keep grinding keep grinding you can do it or yeah, it's probably time that you look into your future. Like, how do you balance the real being realistic with your kids and then also like encouraging them? Like, hey, you want to play basketball? Go do what you want to do. Like, you're not there yet, but let's go, let's go keep working. How do you yeah. balance that? Yeah, that's tough. Um, you know, not being a parent myself, I can't say I'm a super expert on that. Um, but I think that is tough. And I think it's it's gotta be a little bit of both. I think striking a balance between 
that endless support, that limitless support of go for that crazy dream. Let's shoot for it. We'll support you. And then being realistic. Um, I would say, you know, we have to remember even high school athletes, it's kids. These are kids sports. These are youth sports. And so really just keeping in mind, like, is my kid enjoying this sport? Is my kid enjoying the grind, enjoying the process? And, you know, to be really honest, I think collegiate sports, professional sports, they're harsh enough when it comes to figuring out who they want, who they don't want. Um, so I think my opinion on that would be, you know, parents don't need to be the source of that kind of harsh reality check in all cases. I think usually the professional and collegiate sports are going to take care of that enough um, in terms of the reality check. But yeah, I think that's something, you know, there's so much that goes into youth sports now that it's hard to remember that it's youth sports. Those are supposed to be fun. Most kids are doing this because they enjoy it. So let's kind of keep a focus on that. That's perfect. I like that. From a coaching side of things, um, you'll probably you probably hear this all the time. You you you've had coaches. You played at the Division One level. Like coaching, uh, there's times where people on the outside will see what a coach says to their players and be like, "Oh my gosh, he should be fired or she should be fired." <laughs> like that. And like what I say, I'm only 33 years old, but there's times where I'm like, "Look, I'll be at a high school football game, and I'll hear the coach yell, and he doesn't say one curse word or anything. He'll just kind of get on his players, and the parents behind me are like, "Oh my gosh, he's terrible," and I'm like. Dude, what are you talking about? That yeah. that's nothing. Like we used to get like, I mean, you would think you were like this big after getting talked to by the coach sometimes. So like coaches tend to have an impact on on kids, but it seems like today's day and age it's not as bad. Yet the kids seem to be more sensitive, is what the topic seems to be. Like that's what mm -hmm. I, that's all I gotta say. Is like kids don't seem to be able to handle that as much. Um, is that what you've noticed um, in your experience? Because I'm sure you've heard coaches like scream at you during your time. Um, but like, it seems like coaching is not allowed to be what it used to be. Is that good or bad for athletics, I should say, or for the athletes themselves? Mm. Yeah, that's controversial. Um, <laughs> I would say, I feel like I'm a little bit more in your boat in terms of my experience of coaches, you know, not being afraid to yell at you and you kind of having to figure out how you're going to deal with that. I do think there are some advantages to coaches being a little um, more gentle now. However, I think, you know, you hit it right on the head again of it is affecting athletes ability to handle adversity if they aren't even getting the least bit of tough love from their coaches. Um, and I think, you know, it creates kind of this if they do get any bit of tough love, they take it personally. And then that is a whole different thing that goes on in athletes heads when instead of just hearing feedback and being like, OK, I'm going to act on that. How am I going to do it? How am I going to process this and perform? Now it's we're over here and we're going, oh, my gosh, my coach hates me. I'm the only one he yells at. I'm going to take this personally. Um, so, yeah, I think it there definitely is some good. However, I think it's it's changing the game a little bit in maybe a way that isn't fully advantageous. Well, that's where you guys come in, though, to help bridge that gap that might be like lacking right now, the mental, yeah. toughness, so to speak. So yeah. um, I think that's, there's, there's a silver lining to that, I guess, because we have people like yourself. So yeah, here's a question that it, it's becoming more like, obviously you guys are now in Boise. Like you can, we just talked about RJ performance group and how you guys, you know, Salt Lake base, you're kind of branching out and you're doing some things. Um, so it's obviously getting out there, but this whole topic of a mental performance coach we have mm -hmm. strength and conditioning coaches. I mean, you go to colleges, especially at the D1 level, they're, I mean, they're dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars into their weight room and their routines for all their athletes and the yada, 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 all these facilities. But it's not as common. It's getting better, but like to have a mental performance coach, right? That, yeah. that, that's like a thing 
that's just as important for athletes as the strength and conditioning coach. And right. you'll even see guys. It's what, what's wild to me, Liz, is we'll talk about this years and years. Kobe Bryant's, the Michael Jordan's, all oh, the game's 90% mental or 80% yeah. mental. Da, da, da. Everyone has quotes. You'll see quotes all over social media that say it. The quote, quoting all these guys, it's 80% mental. Da, da, da. Okay. So mm -hmm. why don't we have someone coaching somebody on the mental side of things? So my question for you is this. Why don't we have, or do you think that we need to make more of an investment? I think that's an obvious answer, but like how, how come we haven't made that investment yet into the mental side of things, even though most of the coaches, most of the athletes know that the majority of the game is mental. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first I want to shout out, you know, I think there are huge strides being made towards mental health practitioners within sport. And I think that is incredible. So I think that side of the mental game is getting, you know, more and more attention, which is awesome. Um, RJ performance group and a lot of other mental performance coaches, we aren't necessarily in that mental health side. We're more in literally just training your mind to be as resilient, as tough, as ready as your body is as ready as you train your body to be. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the more of us that we can have integrated with sport, the better, but I think maybe the reason we don't is because it's expected to just, you just figure it out. And I think back to even my collegiate career, we didn't have someone like me and I was left to figure it out. And thankfully it came somewhat naturally. It was hard, but I was able to, again, do these things and then get into a sports psychology class and go, oh my gosh, this is actually a field. Like what I've been doing is actually supported by evidence and careers and practitioners. Um, so I think there's almost this unspoken expectation of like, you're just going to figure it out. You've got to figure out how to be mentally tough. You've got to figure out how to manage your pre-performance nerves, how to manage failure. And I think the lucky ones can figure that out on their own, but why not take advantage of people who are trained in providing this service to hit it before it's even a need to hit it before these athletes are going, okay, I guess I'll figure this out on my own. Totally. I'm just thinking in my head as you're talking, like how many athletes could benefit from that? Uh, I talk to all the, the local coaches around here all the time. Cause we cover high school athletics uh, from my other business as well for Idaho underground sports network. And, uh, we know all the coaches and one of the coaches here, uh, I love him. His name's Jeff Saner. His son, Donovan Saner is going to be playing college ball for Gary Payton down in California. And he, uh, we were doing a workout probably about two months ago. And I remember he kept using the phrase bulletproof mindset, like because mm -hmm. his son was going through a shooting workout and we were getting the workout together with him and you know, he, he missed a couple shots, getting frustrated, vocally frustrated, uh, visually frustrated and that type of thing. And Jeff Saner kept referencing bulletproof mindset. Well, how cool would it be if these athletes learn that, at a younger age so that they can create that bulletproof mindset. They can create that, that mindset that you guys are providing essentially like that, how to train the mind, how to handle these types of things. Because I feel like so many athletes that, that don't hit their athletic peak that young could benefit so much more from that though, at that age. Cause then once they hit their athletic peak, they've already got their mind set. There's so many guys that are so athletic and gifted athletically that have super weak minds, guys and girls. Yeah. Right? And when I say guys, I'm encompassing everybody, by the way. Yeah. So guys and girls that, uh, they break mentally because they're so good athletically, but when they do face some adversity or, or a lot of it at once, a lot of pressure on their shoulders, they don't know how to do it. I just think you guys provide such a good service. I wish it was, and it will be, but I just wish it was more, um, re well received or at least more well known, um, yeah. because it is such a big piece of the game, uh, for any sport. So Tell me about uh, RJ Performance Group. We've talked about it. How do people get in touch with you, Liz? Like if a high school coach is listening to this right now, and I'm going to hit this out to everybody and share my link to all the club coaches and all the stuff too. How do they even get in touch with you? They're like, okay, do they have a website? I know they got an Instagram. Yeah. Like how, do we, how do we get in contact with you guys? 
Yeah. So our website is rjpg.net. And on there, you can find more information about us. And that's where, you know, you can choose to book with me, who's in Boise, obviously, and then the other consultants who are in Salt Lake. Um, And so that's where you can find more information about us, book appointments. Um, And then our Instagram is rjperformancegroup. And so, you know, if you want to shoot a DM on there, but especially for me in Boise, like I'd love to just talk with coaches. Like we don't need to commit to anything. Let's just have a conversation or even just get me out with your team, with your players and see what this even looks like. This is still a new growing field. And so the more like understanding that I can foster, the better. Um, And I think it's pretty hard to not be about it once you do understand it. Um, But I recognize there's still, there's still room to learn all about this. No, I love that. Do you, do you by chance per, um, provide a service like where you, like you mentioned, coming and talk to the teams, uh, like doing classroom time at camps. Is that something you guys have considered or have done? Like where you can come in yeah. there and do like a, a 30 to 30 minute to an hour type of training or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. We are really flexible with what we do. Um, if there's a setup you're thinking of, I'm sure we've done it. We've gone to summer camps. We go to practices. We've gone to games. We meet with clients one-on-one where we can really get into the details. And I would also say, you know, a lot of times this field is thought of as, okay, there's a problem. Let's go meet with a mental performance coach to find the solution. But I want to really argue against that and say, everyone can benefit from this. If you are at your peak game, let's have a conversation and see if we can't get you 5% better. Um, This is stuff that everyone, even if they don't know that they're going to benefit from it, having conversations about what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What's your plan when things go wrong? That's going to benefit everyone beyond sport. So um, again, I geek out about this field, but this really is for everyone. Oh, totally. And what I can see right now, though, is like I'm thinking of my players. I'm like, people would probably roll their eyes. Some of them would like the ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you deal with the attitude side of things? Because I want them to know, like, no, you can benefit from this and you probably need to because your attitude right now shows that. Like, yeah. there's multiple times I'll be talking in a huddle and I'm like, hey, so and so, you need to cut off the screen faster. What are you doing? And then mm-hmm. I start rolling. I'm like, okay, like they, they have that attitude. How yeah. do you, I guess, how can we get that to the kids and say, Hey, you will benefit from this. Like stop having this attitude about like, you're, you're too good for this. Cause at some point you're going to need to utilize this and implement these yeah. skill sets into your life. How do you get past the attitudes? Yeah. Well, I would say the players who think they're too good for it. Those are the ones I'm like, I want to meet with them more than anyone. Um, yeah. because I think you can play into that so easily. You can say, all right, you've obviously, you've got it going. Like you don't need anything what do you think about getting that 1% better? How much better would you feel? How much more confidence would you feel? If I could tell you, I'm going to help you get 1% better, whether it's just through getting more self-aware again, whether it's planning for when things inevitably will go wrong or even just having a conversation. But usually those kinds of players, I just play into it. I just say, all right, let's just get you that much better. We can work with this. Um, But yeah, those are usually the ones that I think can benefit from it the most, because if there's that much of an opposition, there's probably some stuff to talk about in there. Oh yeah, totally. I love it. I'm going to be pushing this out there. I want to put this in the link here. Sorry, they put the link in the description here. Um, we've got the Instagram handle. Like she said, you guys can go to RJ Performance Group on Instagram, find their page there. But you can also go to rjpg.net. That's the mm-hmm. the main website for the for RJ Performance Group so that you can go check out what they've got. They've got testimonials, um, blog, whatever. They've got everything on there. It's their entire that's their entire website. So go check it out there. We'll put these links here in the description. But as we wrap up the interview, Liz, I have a question for you. What is the biggest life lesson that you've learned through your time as an athlete or your time as, you know, a mental performance coach? What's the biggest life lesson you've taken away from sports? Hmm. 
I think you could say so many. I think, again, that's why I love sports so much is like how much about life does it teach us? But um, I'd say the biggest one that I see play into just about every day of my life is asking myself, what is my why? Why am I doing this? Why am I devoting so much time and energy to this? And, you know, rewind to my collegiate soccer days. I'd ask myself that a lot because, again, I wasn't getting the minutes. I wasn't getting the accolades I'd hoped for. So it was like an everyday question of why am I doing this? Usually that leads to a perspective that is so much more beneficial and more rewarding and more fulfilling than your initial, you know, zoomed in focus of I want minutes and I want accolades. Um, It usually brings you out to a bigger purpose that in my mind is so much more fulfilling than what it could have been. So I'd say that's the biggest takeaway I have is what is my why? And asking myself that about pretty much everything I do. Why am I investing my time and energy into this? I dig that. Again, I'm going to say rewind that, listen to that five (laughs) times and take some notes on that. That's so important. Liz, I just appreciate you joining us, being willing to share your knowledge and your expertise. And I, and I hope that we can connect you with more and more people around the Valley um, in this area so that they can take advantage of your services that you do provide with RJ Performance Group. Shout out to, to the company. Shout out to you for your expertise and all the what people don't realize is all the schooling, man. The schooling you went through, the, the stuff you've gone through to, to get to where you're at right now. Shout out to you for that. And um, yeah, I just want to say thanks again for joining the show. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. For everybody who's listening again, I'll just remind everyone, if you enjoyed the interview with Liz, make sure to leave us a review on Apple podcasts. Let us know what you thought, but also make sure to go follow them on Instagram and go to their website, take advantage of her services that they provide. And uh, we'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.